I was gonna. I didn't have to press the button when I did. You just always like to set me up for failure. <laughs> Welcome to Death and Aliens, an in-depth look at horror and sci-fi TV from two friends who don't vaguely know what they're doing. I'm Courtney. And I'm MK, and I don't think I'm going to cut that out because it's funny. I had to rush through that so I wouldn't laugh while I was saying it. I was like, I'm going to just do this really fast, and maybe I'll get it all out. Um... Hi, how are you? Here we are. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, everyone. We are not even recording this at midnight. We just, it's already, that's where we're at. It's Monday. It's, yes, it is. How are you? Did you want to tell me? Sure. I, yeah, I guess. <laughs> um, how am I? I am okay. Um. I'm a little stressed because um, one of my final projects is due for my grad classes tomorrow. And then my report cards are due on Wednesday. So like, it's just like a rough time, but I realized the reason I'm so stressed out about all my final projects is that I have a hundred in both of my classes. Um, and I've never had a 4.0 in my life. Ooh. And I can afford to fuck these projects up a little bit and still have a really good GPA. But also, like, I've made it to December with a 4.0. I can't right. fuck it up now. Absolutely. No, um, yeah. As someone who always had a 4.0, um, for better or for worse, I heard that. I feel that. Um, but also, I'm stressed because last night, Dawson Knox proposed to his girlfriend. Yep. Yeah. The the Bills player that I'm, I, I'm in love with. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I was, yeah. so I just saw a lot of the reveals for, like, like Bachelor and stuff like that. And I was like, who is this person who's speaking? Oh. Who's I was yeah, not. No. no, no, no. Dawson Knox, um, number 88, tight end on the Buffalo Bills, um, currently on injured reserve um, on, the, on my fantasy team. Um, so Dan was thrilled. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Um, I literally, I was, and the proposal was beautiful, and everything he said about her was beautiful, and it was so lovely. And I have absolutely no right to have any kind of emotion about it because I've literally never even met the man. Um, but yeah, I was, I was bummed. Tis the season. Tis the season. It is. It is. It's coughing season. Everybody's getting engaged right now. It's really obnoxious, actually. Thank God I got engaged like two months ago so that I can pretend that I'm not a part of this fucking trend. <laughs> pretend you're not a, a uh, what is it? A clog in the system? What is it called? A cog in the system? A cog in the system. Ugh. A clog is a wooden dancing look, shoe. I know. Look, I know I just, see, for better or for worse, I had a 4.0 my whole life and now I stopped using my brain. So I don't know what to tell you. Um, I'm done now. I did it. <laughs> Great. Fantastic. How are you? I'm still in the holiday mood. If you listen to our, uh, season four wrap up, um, which you should, I wrote a, a thing. A so everyone go thing. Um, and I'm just like looking forward to the holidays. This comes out the 28th. So sorry guys, you got it. You did it. Well, um, the holidays still continue. I'm at a Christmas party right yeah. now. On the yeah, 28th. yeah. 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 
and it's you know like kwanzaa and stuff like there's other holidays just my christmas will be finished at this point when you hear this but i have been watching a lot of holiday baking championship as i'm I'm sure i've mentioned seven thousand times um and so i'm preparing to prepare insane meals i'm very excited about it i have decided i'm gonna attempt a yule log love that um which i like a really like a real like marzipan but yes a real one but not marzipan um so i'm gonna then no the marzipan mushrooms on the outside of the yule log are the best part i've I've never had a yule log (laughs) i've never seen one in real life um i'm just very excited about it so i'm gonna do like a chocolate sponge and then i'm gonna do um a coffee royal icing and then i'm gonna do like a really really light and fluffy chocolate ganache and then i'm gonna try my best to roll it and i haven't cried i might add some mollies my high school french teacher was also the best cook i've ever met in my entire life and he used to make us like traditional french yule logs um with the marzipan mushrooms and everything and i'm just not even trying to marzipan i uh and i want i wanted like i want it to look traditional but i wanted to go a little out of the box like i don't want just like i love that chocolate like that looks like a swiss roll i don't want it to be like chocolate with the white icing like i want it to be like good but not too sweet so I, i'm hoping hoping if i use a darker chocolate as opposed to like a milky one like yeah chocolate with a coffee base and then a really light like even like a little bit of a whipped maybe chocolate ganache yeah. it'll not be too sweet and it'll be yeah but i'm um, that person that gets these big ideas and then i mess them up and then i cry so right. we'll see what actually happens but um it's okay. I cried about baking Friday night. I wasn't baking, um, but I worked Thursday night and then Friday night was the Christmas tree lighting. And so after that, we left the Christmas tree lighting, we were back at Dan's eating dinner and I just started crying. To be fair, I was getting my period like the next day. So it's fine. But I literally just started crying and he was like, what's wrong? I go, I haven't been home in two whole nights. My dad probably finished the Great British Baking Show without me um he no he absolutely did i asked him on saturday he for sure did (laughs) um um, but yeah i was like no i'm so too excited about about baking right now Um, i'm sad you missed the end of it i think i have i mean it's on netflix i can still watch it i uh i've been watching the 10 seasons and i think i have a season left of it um, but also Rachel's doing a big New Year's Eve party. Um, and so I've we've been sending snacks back and forth. The number of treats they make out of prosciutto that look like roses that are all different. Incredible. Yeah. So many options. So many options. So lots of big uh, ideas. For Christmas every year, uh, Dan's mom makes uh, wine glass salami roses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. I uh, saw some Christini, some that were like on like what looked like cupcakes, but surely they weren't. Um, I went to read the description and it said filet mignon and gave me that recipe, but the title was not filet mignon in the, <sighs> the picture. So they that. didn't match. And so I don't know what it was. Um, but yeah, we, I always, weird. We, we didn't. So we moved into the house in the middle to end of November last year. And so we were still like, not long yeah for some reason i thought it was like this year you did 
and so it was a year ago, but so, well, and I didn't finish getting all my stuff in until when I fell down the stairs on New Year's Eve. So like, right. Yeah. Um, but um, so my parents moved into the house fully in November. Um, and that means everything that we owned was in boxes still around Christmas time. So we didn't decorate and we didn't bake at all. Bummer. I, I literally cannot wait to make cookies. I need time. I need to be done with my classes, but then I'm going to bake so much. I really want to make some of those, like those thumbprint cookies, but not the jam ones, the ones that they put the chocolate in. I had it uh, when I was at the conference in November, yeah. but like a Reese's in a chocolate chip. Mm. And I was like, oh, that's what I want. See, so we're, I we, now that we've been making our own jam, we're going to make thumbprints with our own homemade jam. Oh, that'll be good. Oh. Yeah. Ugh, I was looking I at a wait. dish that had cranberry sauce on it. And I was like, I don't know if this will be any good, but then I because I, when I learned how to make my own cranberry sauce and I was like, you can do that homemade and it's so good. Can't um, cranberry suck. I know. I um, like no, it. it's delicious. It's, it's terrible. It's terrible, but it's delicious. Except for that Dan just found a recipe of um like basically like cranberry bark, but it's like you take okay. canned cranberry sauce and you freeze it and dip it in chocolate. Oh, I get that. <laughs> Have you made homemade cranberry sauce yet? No. Y'all should try it. But see, it's actually I, I don't like chunky cranberry sauce. I only like jellied cranberry sauce. Yeah, you can make it jellied. That's fine. You can, because you can like, you can strain it after you make it and then just take the cranberries out. It's not, it's still loose enough. It's a lot looser than like cranberries that are in a can, but yeah. it's just like, so it's the same way. It actually ended up being the same way I made this like cherry glaze sauce that I put on wings. So I didn't have the actual cherries in there anymore once I used the sauce. But yeah. this one, it's like, you put like orange, like an orange pill here and like some orange stuff here. And it's very, very like, juicy. And then you can, you can strain it if you don't want the chunks in it, but it's so good. So it's like one of my new favorite holiday things that I didn't, that I thought I would never like my whole life. I've hated cranberries. I love so, cranberries. Uh, well, I now know that I love cranberries and some other things I like are to be spiritually enlightened. I was going to say, I think this is just going to turn into a Christmas baking podcast. Forgot well, the show. I could do that. <clears throat> I can you know. do it for like three months and then I'd be done with it. But like, <laughs> you know, like I could do it for a minute. Yeah. Um, so the quote tonight, when you get into a tight place and everything goes against you till it seems as though you could not hang on a minute longer, never give up then, for that is just the place and the time that the tide will turn. Ugh, preach. That's a good one. Yes, Harry Beecher Stowe. No aggressiveness at all. No, none. I loved it. <clears throat> um, some other things that we loved. The Exorcist. Oh. And it is bum, 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 the DNA Awards. I wish I actually had like a soundboard and we could put horns in there. Don't <laughs> worry, I did it myself. I did it myself. We don't even need that. I nailed it. Um, <laughs> so <clears throat> we didn't discuss before we started so here we are um, wow. um one thing we did talk about is we are zero percent confident in anything we chose like yeah no i i have <laughs> i have choices for all of them and um for all of my awards i thought that doesn't feel like the correct answer i can't think of what else to write right now um there is there are no, there are like one or two that I'm a hundred percent sure that that yeah. is the answer for me. Um, <clears throat> and 
yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah I, I feel I actually <laughs> feel pretty confident in my choices as being a right answer. Right. No, I think <laughs> I think I I picked I picked things that I feel like I can defend why I picked them, but I also yeah. feel like if you tell me literally anything else, <laughs> I might be like, oh wait, no, maybe I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And I think yeah. that's just and it's just because there were a lot of really good elements and pieces in this show mm -hmm. like it like even if it's not you know 100 percent the best show i've ever watched in my whole life so very much enjoyed it when you really break it down into the writing into the pieces into this like some really good elements like mm -hmm. better than some other, than a lot of the other shows i feel like yeah so, um that made it a little more difficult so you want to just That's heavy hitter step. start from the beginning right let's do it yeah. Um, I'm wearing my festive shirt. I was told today, I, I immediately diverted after I said, let's do it. Um, I wore the shirt today. I got it from Sheen. And I heard three different things. Not contradictory. Three different things. I walked in and Ashley just like beelines her hand at me. She's like, oh, I love this shirt. <laughs> it's like it's like early enough that I was st startled. And I was like, thank you. And then I go into the back and Nora just looks at me and she goes, you look so festive. That's such a good festive shirt. And I was like, oh, good. That's what I was going for. And then, like, the end of the day, I'm going to, like, pass there. And she's like, you look like Lady Gaga. It's <laughs> like, these are all very different responses. Yeah. So I was like, I'm festive Lady Gaga now. Festive that is Lady Gaga. Costume for our DNA Awards. Festive okay. Lady Gaga. I'm wearing a festive colored sweater, but really, I'm just still wearing my work clothes. I mean, when you wear green, you get a little festivity from you because you have the red hair, the green top. Yeah, so. exactly. You're always that's why, I wear, that's why I wear green so much. Exactly. St. Patrick's Day and Christmas at the same time every time. You are, you nail it every time. Aww. Every time. It's the only two holidays that matter. Exactly. <laughs> Who needs anything else other than Halloween? Oh, yeah, I guess. Um, it's okay. I cover Halloween. Cut my, my orange-ish and my dark. I will be happy. I have not decorated my classroom for Christmas yet, and the kids, I still have Halloween things hanging up, and the kids are like, when are you going to take them down? I was like, when I stop hating people. I don't know. Perfect. Never. I love it. Yeah. Excellent choice. Yeah. So, people we don't hate, who I don't know if this is the right order, so it's the order we're going in. Who is the best director? <clears throat> so, this was hard, because... I immediately forgot everything that you've ever told me about anyone who wrote or directed these episodes. And I was like staring at IMDb and I was baffled by the number of episodes, like the number of different directors who only directed one single episode. Mm -hmm. um, and so that confused me because I swear that that's not what happened. Um, I don't remember learning about that many different directors, which probably means that I heard nothing you said. Um, <laughs> you know, it happens. I also spend a lot of time on IMDb and I'm the one who said it. So like, I just have a terrible memory of stuff like that. Um, but so I chose Stephen A. Adelson, um, who directed the season two episode, Help Me. Yep. Yep. That was a, an excellent choice. Because I feel that episode more than any other one was really, truly made and braid made or broken by the direction yeah 100 percent. yeah i thought you might kind of go in that direction with that one because it really was the most well done episode um and yeah and i think that's the only one he did if i recall 
It um, is the only one he did, yeah. which is also funny because that's not what I picked for the best episode. <laughs> I also didn't. Um, but <laughs> it's fine. It was a really great episode, but it's, you know, all over the place. So I thought you would go with, with episode eight, but I went with Jason Insler. And this was he kind did, of as a. He did more than. He was one of the ones that did more than one, he right? Did five episodes. Okay. But the episodes that he did, he did um, in season one, episode five, which is where the exorcism begins. He did season two, episode one, which is a big episode, obviously. Season two, episode six, which was Darling Nikki. And mm, so okay. Nikki. And then he also did both season one and season two finales. And okay. so, like, as a collective, yeah. I he really was kind of the heart of the direction because he got the beginning, the middle, and the end. He just didn't do season one, episode one, but he did the other middles and ends. Like Okay. So Yeah. Um, yeah, I think he was also the most free. He was. He was the only one. So there was one, he did five, one person did three, and then I think everything else was only one or two. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I clicked on him at first because I was like, let me see what he did because he did the most. Um, but I, I didn't feel like, I think how you're saying it makes the most sense. And I do think that the finales were really, really strong. I think it was, I didn't necessarily love the middle stuff that he did. Like the episodes were good, but I didn't feel like they had necessarily the most dramatic impact in terms of what the director would have done. Um, yeah. But it makes sense. I mean, there's only 20 episodes and he did five of them. So, like... Yeah. And, like, I will say, like, season one, episode six, I mean, episode five was one of my lesser favorite episodes. Anyways, when Exorcism started with Casey and I just, mm-hmm. it didn't feel like it really had a lot going for it. Um, I didn't... Really, even the direction from season two, episode one, wasn't, like, anything to write home about. Um, yeah. I did, like, the mid one on season two because it was Darling Nikki and that's when we get Nikki. And, like, yeah. right Nikki. And so, like, that one had a lot of choices that were made to kind of like introduce her into the show um mm-hmm. but yeah i agree and if it wouldn't have been a combination i think yeah i think the fact that he did so many and that the um finales were both so strong yeah yeah so that's my pick it's, it. it's hard to we don't have a third person we have someone vote. we don't have a third person to like do a tie-breaking vote i don't necessarily know that there needs to be i know that's how we started it we like started yeah. it up by always saying that there had to be like a winner of the two right um and i don't necessarily know that there needs to be um i don't think there does i don't think there does um because we have our reasons for all of it and i yeah I, when i was doing it of like I want to say one that you're not going to say, so we have different answers. And then, like, just the second, I was like, we used to pick a winner. <laughs> we did used to pick a winner. Um, and I think that if we had to, I would concede to yours, because I do think there is weight to the fact that he did so much of the show. Um, sorry, I'm also trying to pull up IMDb as I'm talking, because I realized I wrote my writer for the best writer, and I have no idea what episode they wrote. Uh, that is okay so um but i think yeah if we have to pick one um i would concede to yours in this case um but i will also say i did not for a second think about um what you were feeling at all 
I only thought that I wanted to do something that was different than what you were doing. So we had two answers. And then just because that's how we pick our MVP yeah. and whatnot. But that was literally the only reason. And and I did this like a week ago because I was ahead of the game. Yeah. For once in my whole life. Um, all right. So on that note, let's go to the best writer. Uh, yeah. Which, so the best writer is funny because um, I literally just said that I didn't like this episode in terms of direction. Um, but I picked David Grimm. Yeah. And David Grimm wrote uh, Through My Most Grievous Faults and um, and Help Me. So mm-hmm. um, I obviously Help Me is looking like it stuck out a lot with me in terms of writing. Um, but also in Through My Most Grievous Fault, um, it's the beginning of the exorcism. There's some stuff that was a little weaker, I think, in the direction. But I, the actual story and the way that they weaved Pazuzu into the story before the Reagan reveal, I thought was so subtle in a way that afterwards smacked you in the face. Mm -hmm. Um, But I thought it was not necessarily visual. I thought it was with the way the story itself was written. And so I appreciated that aspect and I actually picked him because of that and then went back and realized that he also wrote help me and was like oh that makes sense because that's my favorite episode but and I think it is my favorite episode it's not what I picked for best episode but I have reasons yeah so I uh so I almost picked him because he is he's the one that I remembered every time I really saw a good episode I was like this guy is doing something right and then I went back he, and like, he wrote those two and then he was a story editor on the entirety of season two. He was a, involved in every single episode of season two. Yeah. And so I looked at him and I was like, I could go with him. And then, um, but instead I went with Alyssa Clark. Okay. Um, I don't remember what she, she wrote. wrote. She was a writer on writer and or story editor on every episode of season two, except seven and nine. And nine was one of my least favorite episodes from that season, not from the show, but from that season. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, that makes sense because she wasn't on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and seven. Seven was Darlene Mickey. Help. No, no Darlene what? was six. Seven. So it was the one in between Darling Nikki and Help Me. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Hold on. I thought Help Me came right after Darling Nikki. I don't think so. Um, yeah, but she was, and she was the main story. It did. Right? It did. Help Me it is did. number seven. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was number eight for some reason. No. Well, then, um, I don't know that I would have picked her then, but <laughs> <laughs> I might, I might would have gone with David Grimm because I thought she was not on that. I thought she would skip that episode for some reason. No, she was not. So help me was help me and ritual and repetition are the two that she wasn't on. Gotcha. And yeah, you're so right. I picked you're her. You're right that ritual and repetition is one of the weaker ones of season two. Um, but she was the main story writer on. She was. Let's see says. Yeah, so she wrote this story for episode five, which was the reveal of grace, and I thought that was really strong. Yeah like writing tools so like but and then also in turn as being a story editor on a lot of it with yeah David. and yeah. so i went by the one they actually wrote 
as opposed to which one they were. Right. Which is why I went with David Grimm because a lot of, like you said, a lot of the the story editors and everything were like connected to a lot of things, but I didn't look at story editing in terms of, it was helpful obviously for other things, but in terms of who I thought was the best writer, I looked at what they actually were the the main writer on and what what ideas were theirs. And not that story editing and like, storyboarding people bounce ideas off all the time and when you have this many people on a show there's a lot of like working collaboratively but the person who gets the head writing credit tends to have a lot more to say about the actual dialogue and and way it where it goes and so or and the way it gets from point a to point b so (laughs) yeah but yeah um so david grimm probably is the better writer um I just was very impressed that she wrote season episode five. Yeah. So, yeah. So next is the best line. There were so many things, so many things we could have picked for this. Um, This was probably the hardest one to pick for me. Um, But I ended up choosing something that is actually from very close to the end of the show it was in one of the last like episode or two and it was just because i felt like it despite it being a lie in the moment i felt like and we talked about it when it was said on the show i went off on how it it was a lie but it wasn't because it was like the truest description of this character ever and I picked the line, my life is a series of rooms, demons, and coffee that tastes like pot water. Not much more than that, I promise you. I almost picked something <laughs> similar to that. I don't remember which one. I don't think it was that exact one, but it was something in that same episode I was looking at at first. Because, um, I mean, Marcus, he's yeah. just <clears throat> full of quips and lines in that one. I mean, it is it is a summary, and while it, you know... It's true enough. It's true enough. Yeah, well, and that's when we talked about it on the show in the first place. I was like, I know he was avoiding Marcus's question or Thomas's question, but at the same time, that really is how he sees himself. Like, there's nothing in there that isn't how he actually feels about himself and his life. And it's so, like, painful in its truth. Yeah. Well, I really love that you went with the painfulness because I went with the like one uplifting quote in the entire show. Perfect. And it's from season one. It's from episode eight. Also Marcus. But it's where he says, just standing in the doorway and pushing back the night. And Yes. <laughs> I, I love it. No, I love it. It's it's what the whole show is. It is, and that's the quote that's gonna follow me through. That's gonna be my spiritual alignment every day. Yeah. So no, I love it. That's I thought of like I thought of going with like funny and thinking of some of the like one-liners some of the demons say because yeah. they're fucking ridiculous. I almost went with Andy saying it's a great night for an exorcism because that <laughs> me too. I did too. Because and I was, I was like, just not like, really that profound. I guess. no, <laughs> but I just but I was like there was something the way. There was that one, and then there was something that I can't remember exactly what it was, but it's something Marcus says really early in season one about why he believes in God and like why his faith is. And like those two quotes just like shattered my whole perception of the show and of these characters and like impacted me like so deeply. Well, and it was like 
and it may not even if it wasn't the exact words that were said it was the timing mm-hmm. like the timing the like style they were set in like they were really well done for yeah. a similar reason i almost went with the children are in the garden because oh, yeah. <laughs> that was a uh, very impactful um but i was yeah. like surely i can find something better than that um, yeah and because like i was reading it, i was like there's just it's just well, because IMDb was terrible for quotes, so I was literally just, like, looking at, like, quote websites for yeah. things from the exorcist. You know. And the number of things that were, like, on there that I was like, that was a good moment, but that's not a great quote. Like, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, it was fun. It was interesting. All right. But I, so- I like, I, I do want to just point out that both of our quotes have to do with, like, Marcus and the way he feels about, like, himself and exorcism, and I um I'm just like to put a pin in that, because I will come back to that. <laughs> I was going to say, I like, <laughs> that's why I was like, it's great that you went with the painful side, because I went with the uplifting side. Yeah, but um let's just put a pin in there, because I will absolutely be coming back to that. So now that we've done some, some of the best, we're going to do some best and worst categories. Um, what would you say is the worst episode? So the worst episode, um, this one was hard because I didn't think there was any real episode that had, that was overall from beginning to end terrible, but I went with season one episode. I want to say three, um, which was let them in. Is that not the episode with the reveal? It is not. This is the episode where, um, Casey attacks the guy on the subway Mm -hmm. and the guy, the one guy like burns himself outside of the church. And Bennett, Bennett realizes that there's more things going on. And, and it was, and it was like at the the recital, like the mm-hmm. dance recital thing, and it wasn't a bad episode. Um, it was an episode that I couldn't watch all in one sitting, and I, as much as I understand why, the scene with Casey on the subway was unnecessarily disturbing. Yeah, and at the time, I just kind of accepted it because of what the show was, but then through the rest of that season and through the rest of the show, they were able to show how vile the the demons were and the violence of the demon without being that grotesque. Grotesque. And so between that and the guy lighting himself on fire and it was just a it was a very grotesque episode. And yeah. I didn't feel like it was necessary to be that grotesque but I didn't feel like it was as good with pushing the plot the way the rest of the early parts of season one were so for me that was the worst episode yeah and that's absolutely (laughs) fair episode I have to say I had to go back to early season to pick up I had to go back to season one and like reread some of the first five episodes because I could not remember what was what yeah, I uh, I couldn't either because they did. It started a lot slower than episode two, like episode, I mean season two, season yeah. two just right in. And even though it wasn't like as interconnected, like we didn't jump right into the family deaths and demons, but we yeah. just jumped right into demons. We were in, 
Um, yeah. So I went with very closely season one, episode two. <laughs> um, and mine was the reasoning was that it was just a little slow. And I know it, I think this is the one at this point where we were just like, let's see how it goes. Like, we're, yes, we're getting into and like, that's true. Because after episode one, we were like, yes. And then after episode two, we were like, maybe. Yeah. And then three, like brought us back in because of the intensity, but it was very grotesque. It didn't match the rest of the show. And right. That's the thing is it did like, bring me back like, in with the yeah. intensity. And in that moment I was like, okay, but then because it, is tonally out of place with the rest of the show in retrospect i do not like it as much as i felt i did in that moment yeah yeah and that is but, but i think it is fair that episode two we didn't even like in the moment <laughs> yeah it was very slow for us and like i didn't know where we we're going at this point we didn't know there was any connection to the original um because you know obviously regan hadn't been announced yet yeah we, we knew that uh, Casey had started showing symptoms, so we were like, are we just doing another exorcism show that's exactly the same as everything everyone always does? Yeah. Like, and we didn't know how good it was going to be at the time, because also we'd seen mixed reviews, and we were like, there's no way to know. Right. <laughs> so I feel like we, had, we just kind of hadn't gotten into it yet. Mm -hmm. uh, which is why I picked season one, episode two, just because it was still slow. Which it's so funny to me that people that I know so many people who liked season one better because we both had to go into season one to really pick yeah. things apart. And I'm actually like thinking um, in all of my best and worst, I think. No, most in my in most of my best and worst, the things that is the worst is from season one. There's a couple that it's not, but in most of them, my worst goes back to season one. Yep, me too. And I also like I would have thrown season I mean episode four onto the list had it not been the Regan reveal. Like that's the only thing that saved it. Cause it was episode I, four that was the reveal, and then five was when Chris got there. Or did I get I thought episode five was the reveal. Cause I thought it was like both shows, the big reveal was the halfway mm, point. Maybe so maybe so. Then season four also would have been on my list for the same reason as episode two was because it was just a little bit slower and not. Um, yeah, no, season five is the the Reagan reveal because it's the one where Casey's like hinting to her dad that something's wrong and like he's like trying to follow the demon and we're like, what is happening? But then the demon's actually not lying to him. Right, right. Yeah, it was just a, that like that whole first half was just kind of slow for what i was slow in. it was yeah it was definitely weaker yeah and like in i know watching it we were like this is still good we can keep up but then like after seeing the end and after seeing season two it's like oh you didn't start out with your best stuff like you no. went to such a good place that you could have done more here and you just didn't and um setting up to the reagan reveal and it makes sense because that is the source material that they were using and everything but it it did get there slower than it could have because by the time the grace reveal happened in season two, you were already on tenter hooks. And yeah. part of that was because they had already, we had the freedom to be because in season one, they're setting you up with something. You don't know where it's going. You don't know these characters. There's so much introduction that has to happen. So I understand those being weaker. I think in any situation, 
that's where the weakest links are going to be are those early season one episodes, but I Yeah, and agree. especially like if you're already a fan of The Exorcist, you're coming off of what, four sequels that no one liked? Like, yeah. You're and so you're like, like already expecting it to be bad. Right. And so like they're trying to keep it into the I think they're trying to kind of like test the waters in the beginning still. Yeah. See where they can go. So like no shade and I would still tell people to watch the show. Oh, 100%. <laughs> I I still do. Yeah. So, but it is just comparatively the worst side of it. So, what was your favorite episode? Uh, for best episode, I picked There But For The Grace Of God Go I. Yeah. Because I, despite the end of season, or the middle of season one having such a big reveal, was not at all prepared for how big a reveal Grace was. We had been going back and forth all season of if there was something up with Grace or not, and neither of us trusted this kid, but, like, in very different ways. And we were both wrong. Like, I mean, we were, we were both yeah. wrong. Yeah. And that and I, I, I like, was... I that's what they learned from season one is, like, in season two, we were so hyped about this kid, even though we didn't know... And I think that they wanted to do the same thing with season one, but their reveal was so specific. They, that, like, and there was, it was harder to tease it. It was harder yeah. to tease it and give you different theories because it was such a specific reveal where, and it was still jaw drop. I still like, I remember when I watched it for the first time, I threw Dan's remote across the room and got up and walked around in a circle and he could not figure out what was wrong with me because I did not <laughs> understand what had just happened. Yeah. But after the season two reveal, after having been so confident about what I thought was happening and been so wrong, I literally don't think I spoke out loud for 45 minutes after I watched the episode. I was overwhelmed. Yeah, and the was. whole episode, and the, and the ending is obviously what I'm stuck on, mm -hmm. but the whole episode was so much better than the season five or than the season one reveal the season one reveal that episode was good and there were parts of it that were great and i loved the writing and i loved the way they peppered things in and it all led up to this big moment but this episode in general was intense was from like beginning to end because i'm trying to remember what else happened in what else happened in that episode? Um, um, I mean, it's the episode where Verity gets sick. It's the episode where she first goes out, where he first goes outside with Grace. It's yeah. The birds, I think. And that the one where the birds attacked the house, or was that right before? Um, that might have been right Maybe before. Maybe in the last episode where the birds attack the house and then the demon lamb, and then we get into this next episode. Yeah, maybe. Oh, this is the this is the episode with Peter and Marcus kissing and all of the. The the intense things that like when Marcus is standing in the boat in the middle of the ocean saying he doesn't feel anything like there was so fucking much going on in this episode so much yeah yeah so that was definitely a very good one um just want to pick Alyssa Clark so I'm gonna boomerang and I'm gonna pick help me it's my favorite episode <laughs> because even though i picked the writing from this episode i picked uh help me because of everything instead of the writing it had 
the direction, which is why you picked the director. It which is funny. I picked, I picked the best for help me. I picked the best writer and the best director and then somehow okay. still went in a different direction for the best episode. And I think it was part of it was because I was like, if I just keep saying help me, I have a problem. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, I did almost the opposite. Like <laughs> with, uh, uh, I picked all of the other things and then ended up with this, the best episode because truly yeah. like, I mean, oh, help me. Is, I mean, help me. Oh, oh, God. It was just the entire thing was like as on edge as you were in Vote for the Grace of God. Well, I didn't know you more. Like this, this one. No, and, and the thing with help me is a lot of times when they do things like that, where like someone is living in a cyclical dream sequence, it, it, it gets messy, it gets muddled, it gets annoying. But this one was just. It, this one, it just, I, every single time I wanted, like, I was waiting for what choice he was going to make. I was waiting for how he was going to fix it. I was waiting for him to get out of there. Every single time I was noticing what was off. It, like, was. It was beautiful. Yeah. It was. Yeah. Oh. It was really, really an excellent episode. Yeah. Um, what are the, I, I hesitate to say one of my favorite horror episodes of all series like it was just yeah. that well done honestly like both of those are two of the best episodes like of any show i've watched yeah because it's it's so hard to follow up with a suspense like that like you well, get with and with with there about the grace with for the grace episode mm -hmm. i think the reason why it still even though i loved help me and there's it's so well done and i think the writing and direction are so good I think the reason the Grace episode hits me differently is because I thought after the um, reveal in American Horror Story with um, mm -hmm. that I was never going to be shocked again in my entire life. I genuinely, American Horror Story fucked me up so hard that I thought I was going to be dead to all twist endings. Mm-hmm. And I shit myself watching this episode in not a scared way, in a like, yeah. oh my God. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it, it built up this, when you build up a storyline that hard, you have to follow through. And it did. Yeah. Like, I feel like it falls flat so often and stuff like this. And because mm -hmm. they lean in the suspense, they lean in you watching every week to get all of these elements. But then when push comes to shove, sometimes, you know, it's lackluster yeah. but this one was not that mm -hmm. this one actually followed through what it promised um, yeah yeah so it was, it was excellent um so who is who is your worst guest star so this one was hard um because i i made a rule for myself um anytime we do this that if someone is in more than a quarter of the episodes they no longer count as a guest star so I was only looking at people who were in five episodes or less, okay. which limited a lot of my choices of guests. Um, and, and I know that there's like rules about what is constituted, like technically contract wise about cat main cast, recurring cast, guest, whatever. But for me, if they're in less than a quarter of the episodes, that's how I delineate it. Um, and so I picked Camille Guadi, who played Olivia, which is Tomas's sister. She was only in actually she was actually only in two episodes, which yeah. um 
And it was no offense to her. It was fine. But she was only in two episodes. And the way Tomas talks about her was this buildup as if, like, his sister was the most important person in the world to him. But I didn't feel chemistry between them in either of her scenes and either of her episodes. And obviously Tomas is fully capable of having chemistry because he had it with a million other people in the show. So I tend to blame that lack of chemistry between the two on her. Right. Which obviously I don't know what they were going to continue with the rest of the seasons. I don't know if she would have been back. Obviously like there is a bond there and Luis is important to him and like, there's all that stuff. But I just felt that I didn't have enough of her to believe her relationship with Tomas. Yeah, that's fair. So I pick my characters based on gut feeling. (laughs) So I don't know that I don't have a hard and fast rule. I just decide who feels like a secondary. Sometimes if it's like this kind of cast, I will pick a secondary character. Mm -hmm. Uh, If they're not a huge, huge character. Like I didn't pick anybody from the Reagan, like from Reagan's family or Tomas or Mars, obviously. Yeah. Did pick Maza McCarr, who plays Jessica. And that is so valid. Yeah. And but also, not even because of her acting, because fuck Jessica. I will say that colored <laughs> you a lot. But I will say, like, also some of her acting, because I think we were supposed to have an emotional reaction to her. Because I think that was supposed to drive a lot of Tomas's reactions, which it did, but we never felt that same connection. She always kind of felt like a bad guy. And I don't think she was meant to be portrayed that way. And so I don't know if it was direction or her acting that made it that way. Yeah. But that's kind of the reason I went with her because I never felt like, like, I think it would have been nice. And I think it would have made us like Tomas better. Had we had any idea why he actually felt that way for her. Like, if yeah. we leaned into the, like, grandmother story, if something had happened to Louise, if something had happened to Olivia, like, um, then it might would have made his character emotionally seem stronger as well. And I yeah. think she was supposed to be that character, and it didn't work. And I don't know if it's because we didn't like her or because it didn't work, you know? like Right, right. So I went with her. I don't know how many episodes she was in. Less I... than 20. Less than 20, absolutely. I want to say it was more than five, though. Um, like which seven. is like, yeah, which is why I didn't pick her. And it hasn't, that's a very good answer. I just, I have a hard time with trying to understand what is a guest star in ensemble shows. Like, right. Like when it's like in Stargate, basically, other than the main six, everyone's a fucking guest star, which is yeah. not really true, but like it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is an ensemble show where like, every character for a whole season is a important character. It would be like, who's your favorite guest star in Grey's Anatomy? Like, I don't know the one guy who died, like, right. <laughs> like, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I had, I so mean, I can say that Jenny Duquette, 100% favorite guest star. So, but, so that's why I make, that's why I like make the rule for myself. I give myself a like hard percentage because otherwise I won't yeah. have any idea where to even start. Um, that's totally fair. That's yeah. I agree. I think so. It came down to connection with the characters for both of us. Yeah. Which is surprising. Um, so who is your best guest star? Best guest star also comes down hundred percent to connection with the character because, and she was only in five episodes. So she does count. Um, yeah. I picked Deanna Dunnigan. Is it who the played name? mother Bernadette? Yes. Mm-hmm. 
because from the minute she was there, I bought every fucking thing she was selling. Like, yeah, hundred percent. The way that she treated the way that she treated Marcus, the way that she talked to Regan before she died, when she knew like she was possessed, like all of it. Like, the way that she like loved people until she didn't have a choice and had to be a bitch. Like, hundred percent. I bought everything she sold. She was absolutely the best answer. And um, I did not pick her, but she's absolutely the best answer. Um, oh, God, she was incredible. Um, but I went with Christopher Cousins. I and thought about came, picking him. I thought about picking him. It came down to Marcus being my favorite character. And that was the only, only piece of relief he had in his life. And like... Okay. And he was also, like, an understanding person. He was yeah. like, I know you have to do this for you, but also, like, if you need me, I'm here. Like, yeah. It's like, ugh. No, I, I absolutely was going to pick Christopher Cousins. I really love Peter's character. I really love how different Christopher Cousins felt in this than he did in Starlight. Yes. When we, we literally, also why I picked him. We literally yeah. watched him in two different shows in the same week, and couldn't have told you it was the same person and granted that's because they were filmed 20 years apart but also like no um there's some there's actors that like you see them 20 years apart and they still are the same actor like even if they're in yeah. a different, show, different role but like i agree like so his acting was so much different it's phenomenal and if if i hadn't if mother bernadette had been in six episodes instead of five i would have picked <laughs> christopher cousins like that's where we were at yeah mother bernadette though was yeah, she was probably the right answer. She was so oh, good. So oh. good. Um, so what is your worst plot line? Now, to be fair, because okay. I have already talked at length about how I feel about this. To be fair, if they had been able to have a season three and finish where they were going, I don't think I would say this, but Bennett's possession is 100% the worst plot line in the whole show for me cannot reconcile with it and i i know that there was more to it but with what i have i'm done yeah i uh i thought you were gonna say that um but i have caveats there's some of mine as well of like if this had happened like right no it might be different um so you definitely complained about this a lot more than i did while we were watching it but the one i went with was the Jessica and Tomas story. And it was because I had just written her down as best, worst character because of how disappointed I was that that plot line didn't progress Tomas like it should have, like it was meant to. Um, and that's yeah. the reason. So, I mean, I also hated that and complained about yeah. her every second she was on screen. So I'm not going to argue with you. And I also understand that mine has a very big asterisk next to it. Well, yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> Yeah, no, they're both they're both good. I wasn't sure if you were gonna pick Jessica or if you were gonna pick Bennett. Um, so I think Bennett cool. Bennett being so fresh in my mind, I just was like, this is the one place where I get to fucking complain about Bennett again. <laughs> we're back at it. <laughs> yes, good one. Um, what was the best plot line? I weirdly think Jessica kind of plays into what I think is the best plot line because my choice for best plot line is Tomas's journey in season one and not necessarily any one individual part of it. I think very particularly the last two episodes when he was in the, had the demon in his head and was like 
having the conversation about his grandma and about Jessica. And when he got to the point where he was saying those things and then also on the flip side, what happened with him and Casey in season two, in both moments where he was in the middle of about to be possessed and like having the conversation with, I am not the person you think I am. Um, But in season one, it was stronger, I think. Um, And so I went with Tomas's story arc through his flaws yeah that is a that is a very good answer um and i don't think you have to you have to include jessica it's fine <laughs> but that's why i'm like I, she's she's only tangentially related because that was right. one of the things he needed to forgive himself for yeah. but not actually her just exactly his journey to forgiveness his journey for, yeah to forgiveness yeah. Um, yeah that's a really good answer so i had i i kind of was split because i was thinking about like while I was watching it, what plot line meant the most to me during the show? Mm-hmm. And looking back, which one do I think? I really liked the way it was, like, woven in. And honestly, I had such a hard time without yeah. like, picking one. No, um, that's right. Plot Biggest plot line was so difficult for me because I felt like there were so many things that were interwoven and so many things that should have been more interwoven than they were. And I had a lot of... Yeah. We break the show down. We talked about how when we break the show down, there's a lot of really good parts to it. And breaking it down and figuring out how many really good parts to it, I think actually does kind of detract from the show as a whole because I'm less enthused about the overall package when I think about how many things yeah. in it were brilliant and didn't connect the way they should have. Yeah. Yeah. That's absolutely fair. Um yeah, because I have that same thought. I'm like looking at it. If I'm just looking at the plot line, while it was happening, the one that got to me the most was Grace. And it was because I couldn't figure it out. And I had so many theories and my theories kept changing. And mm-hmm. that was during the show. But if I look back at what plot line did I really like appreciate the most from the show, I think it may have had to be Regan's journey with the demon. Yeah. Because like while it was not executed, as well as some of the other plots that we saw. Well, and it it wasn't as cliffhangery. It wasn't as second guessy. It wasn't as like um, a jerk reaction. It was maturely developed in a way that a lot of other things in the show weren't. Right. And like it, it had it like you had the demon in like, even when she was integrated, even if like you knew that it was going to resolve, whether she was going to die, whether she was going to live, you knew it was going to resolve. So there wasn't like some big, like insane twist of like, oh my God, is the demon going to take over and join the Vatican? No, you knew that wasn't going to happen. You knew this was yeah. the end of that. But like, it still was just kind of like, really, really, like you said, very developed and very like mature comparatively. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so it depends on what angle you're going to take for a plot line as to which one. No, well, I think I think that the Regan one makes more sense as an answer for plot line, just because I think it actually carried a, a solid through line. I think that the Grace thing was a great mystery, but I don't necessarily know that as a solid plot line, it because there were so many yeah. things afterwards that I was like, but how the fuck did that? Why did that? Yeah. Yeah. And that's totally fair. Um, Yeah. And that's why I was like, in the moment, plot wise, that's what got me. But looking back, like, I don't think that that was the the one that really was the strongest. Um, Yeah. So, um, worst outfit. 
this one is such a cop out um, because no, because I think that like in general, this show is hard because your two main characters are in fucking habits the whole time. Like it doesn't matter. Um, I picked the worst outfit because a it was ugly and b it was so inappropriate for its timing. And I picked Casey's fucking dress that she wore to Cat's girlfriend's funeral. Yep, yep, that is totally accurate, totally fair. Um, for the inappropriateness. And yeah, this one was hard because everything is so modern and normal. Like no one's yeah. dressing insane one way or another. Like you get even like Dead Like Me was a kind of like a more modern view, but they did weird stuff. They wore weird stuff sometimes. Like yeah. you never knew what you were gonna get. I mean, to be fair, at least this is a little easier than Stargate when everybody's literally wearing Oh my gosh, I know. When we had to do outfits for Stargate, I was like, what are we talking about? <laughs> they were one thing. Um, yeah, so I went with the, um, have it and dress and get up that Mouse was in as she was practicing her exorcism. And oh, when, like, Baby Mouse? Baby Mouse baby when she was trying to be a nun? Yeah, that really pale, ugly nun outfit. Yeah. That's the one I went with. Totally <laughs> fair. Casey's was definitely the worst, like, choice, though. Like, <laughs> Well, that's what the thing was. I was like, and nobody really wore like crazy, ugly things except for like right. the homeless people who were dying, and that's sure. not really fair. Um, but so I looked at it as worst, as in thing that made me the most uncomfortable because I didn't. And Casey's dress was yep. terrible. Yep. yep, absolutely. So, what did you pick for best outfit? Oh, um. No, because it's so funny, because if you know me and what I think is fashionable, there is no way you would not see this coming. But I picked the outfit Cherry wore when she was on her bus tour of demons in Chicago. That is an excellent, excellent choice. Um, I did think about Cherry for this, and I could not remember what she wore for anything, for to save my life. And so I didn't end up going with her. Um, but that is oh, such a good choice. I went with Kat at the memorial. Because she was, looked stunning. Exactly. <laughs> so, And especially like, compared to Casey. I know. I was like, what stuck, stuck out to me for outfit? Like, everyone just looked normal. Like, they looked yeah. average. There's no one to compare it to. And at first I was like, maybe I talked about Marcus's tight shirt. Like, I don't know. And then <laughs> it's like, but it doesn't, like, stand out. It's not like a best outfit. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, so I ended up going with Kat at the memorial um, for best outfit. But I think Cherry's the best. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. All right. Um, worst effects. This one is also a caveat because I don't actually think that technically it was bad. I just don't like it. I have and that effect. is the integration eyeball. Oh, okay. I just don't like it. It is looks it weird. It's uncomfortable, but I also think that like it was a little too on the nose. Like it wasn't subtle. It yeah. wasn't it was like a here's how we know you're fucked up and like I I just mm -hmm. it wasn't executed poorly. I just didn't like the idea or the design. Yeah, that's totally fair. Um yeah, I, it was it was really hard to pick a worst effect because there were some really excellent effects and then there were just like normal effects that are like not bad. Yeah. And so it was very hard. So I also would like to caveat by saying 
I don't know that this is technically a bad effect. It's just the one I don't like. And it's uh, Demon Casey in all of her makeup. Oh, makeup effects, not special effects. That's like their visual effects, yeah. Gross. She's gross. Yeah. Looking. I hate yeah. And she looked the worst out of everyone. Like, mm-hmm. like Andy yeah. never got that ugly looking. Right. So. Well, Andy was in way more control of himself than she was. Yeah. Yeah. And even like Demon Cynthia, is that her name? Cindy. Cindy. Yeah. Like she never got as bad as Casey. It was just Casey looked hard, hard. Yeah. Time. Yeah. They, they toned down on that makeup in season two. Well, they realized they didn't have to get you in with shock value anymore. We're not yeah. actually doing the exorcism series. We're starting a show based off of it. Right. So, um, so what was your best effects? Um, this is the one that I probably had the hardest time with. And it was more of just trying to narrow things down. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, I'm not even going to go with what I wrote on the paper. Okay. Um, I think the best effect for me was the use of the sludge in the demon, like Thomas, Thomas's demon dream, but only in episode one. Okay. When they- but when they first introduced it at the birthday party in the pinata and when they first introduced it and there was this first thing in the background and like the confusingness of it i think it was really really well done i also liked the part where it was in the teacup yeah um, in that part but then i think they went got a little carried away with it and it stopped sitting the same way but that pinata moment and that teapot moment or that teacup moment were both just very subtle despite being literally right in your face yeah so So, yeah that is a great answer much more succinct than mine (laughs) i went broader than i should have because i had a very hard time also i had a hard that's not even what i wrote down so i went kind of in a general sense of Tomas, like the visuals of seeing Tomas in and out transitioning with the dreams. And so, okay. like, how they used the really subtle lighting, or they used the really subtle, like, those like dreamlike elements where I think moved just a bit slower. Like, so it was just those, the very, very subtle effects of switching in and out of the dream world, um, which is, which is still present in the scene where fake Marcus comes in. Even mm-hmm. if you don't really know at first that it's there, when you think about it, when you look back, you're like, oh, no, these light, the, like, the light elements were still there. And, like, yeah. there was moving a little bit slow. Like, and I just thought that it was so effective. And even though it wasn't like, oh, we're going to be sneaky and not tell you when we're in a dream, except that one time. Like, it just, it was just, it was really well done, really well executed. Yeah. Um, so that's my answer. Yeah. Um, I think I know I think those two are very connected though they are very interconnected yeah yeah um so what is your biggest plot hole so I don't know if this is really a plot hole or if this is me just nitpicking okay 
because I wrote Demon Casey in season two. And the reason I think that that is an issue is because they have been so consistent at the, all the demons having knowledge of what the other demons know. And for the demon to then somehow seem surprised or confused that Tomas would see through Casey, knowing that the exorcism was successful, is confusing to me. And it felt more like a let's just get this actress back for a shock moment than an actual intelligent use of a demon. Yeah, I don't know that it was like super, super plot hole, but I do definitely think that it was let's just get this actress back for the shot value. Like, yeah, and the moment I saw her. And I and that's why I said I think it's me being a little nitpicky. I don't necessarily think it's the worst plot hole that I've ever and if that's the biggest issue thing I have an issue with, like kudos, because like that means you didn't have a ton of plot holes. And that doesn't mean I couldn't find more nitpicky ones. But for me that just stood out as a if every single demon knows everything about you and every history and is bringing up shit that you don't even remember about yourself, why would the demon not know that being Casey would pull him out of it? Yeah. And I think even so, like, even, I don't know that it was definitely the demon didn't know, but it was the demon was lazy and not as smart as they normally are. Right. It It didn't feel correct. Like he used the same tactic of you can get, you know that you can get possessed again because Angela did, but then like, why would they not figure it out the second time? You know, like it, yeah. it does feel like it's, it's lazy for the demon. Um, yeah. It just, it didn't feel like you're convincing Tomas that everything he ever wanted is his. So you throw in the one thing that would make him sure that this is not a real memory. Like, and that, and that just felt like, so they hooked him, like they had him. And like they had him, yeah. Like they had him, and then they lost him with that one choice. And obviously, for plot wise, you needed to lose him. There was contrivance there, and and so there was like a contrived plot line and a fun bonus guest star Mm -hmm. thing, both of which aren't good storytelling. They're like good. They're good TV, not good storytelling, and that's what my issue with that was. Yeah, 100%, because they easily could have brought, like, someone else back. I mean, they brought back, was it, is it Tara? I'm Yeah, so Tara was there, Luis was there, his sister wasn't, Jessica wasn't. There's and so many other people say, they could have brought back. It would have made more sense to bring his sister back with Luis also being there. And mm-hmm. he would have taken longer to get yep. there. 100%. Just like, Even with Jessica, he would have been... It wouldn't have been as like sympathetic. It would have still been questioning. Right, right, exactly. Um, yeah, no, I agree. It was, it was a weird one. Um, so I went with one that probably doesn't matter that it's a plot hole. Um, but I went with never learning the full like origins of Nikki's death story because. It doesn't really matter in the end, but it was hyped up so much in the beginning of like, what happened here? Why did she walk in the water? And he like, you know, you have that whole sequence where it's like, why are you going? What is happening? Why can't I save her? Like, and I get that it's meant to be grief and Andy working through stuff. Yeah. But now I want to know why. (laughs) Right. 
It was, it's one of those things where I don't know, again, I don't know if it's really a plot hole or if it's just that they could have answered it better and clearer right. and less, and less fuzzy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, again, like, we're being nitpicky because. Because it was so hard to think of something, like, there wasn't, like, genuinely big missing yeah. chunks of things. Yeah. Like, the biggest plot hole is that we don't know what happens with the Vatican. But it's because the show because it's because like, yeah it was the biggest plot hole that. is the biggest plot hole is that they didn't finish the show and that's right not exactly. their fault yeah so like it was it was hard to pick um, is the Pope already possessed that's my biggest plot hole I love it I'm gonna say yes okay I will answer it for you yes um and so we're getting into kind of our tops of everything so for the next big one. What is your best acting moment? This one is another one that I don't know that if I that I picked something that I really wanted to because there were so so many. Um, but I picked one that I just thought even more than the writing than anything, it was the acting that sold the moment. And I picked Angela being integrated right before she snaps Chris's neck and that whole conversation and the way that Gina Davis handled the subtly letting us know that it was no longer Angela because I just thought that it was so shocking and so so smoothly done I picked the same one <laughs> <laughs> well, with this, I mean, there there was a million, a million Marcus and Tomas moments that I could have picked, a million of them. But there was just something about that moment where my genuine shock at the way um, stink pot came out of her mouth that I was like, oh, oh my god! And it wasn't just that it was the word; it was the way she said it. And I was just like, I'm done. I'm done with this whole show. Right. <laughs> and she was the one, like, even like to expand. Like that's the moment I picked. But need to expand yeah. that moment. She was the best one at jumping in and out of integration where mm -hmm. you could see her as the demon or you could see her pretending to be Angela. And it's meant to be a comment on how smart the demon is, I'm sure. But like overall, but if without Gina Davis doing it, it wouldn't exactly. have worked. And oh, so like, was... that's the moment that really solidified it. But then you, you just see it so much more throughout that season too. Yeah. yeah. No, that was top notch, top notch moment. Um, yeah, so that was fast because we went to the oh, same thing. Right, yeah. What was your best horror moment? Um, so for my best ultimate horror moment, I did also go back to season one um, just because okay. I think that they kind of bought into some of the like more visual horror elements more in season one. And I picked the scene with Casey in the attic because I still don't like being yeah. in my attic in the dark. Fair. <laughs> That is a really good horror moment. Um, and because I, I it, because it, it's just the, the visual effects, the acting, the lighting, the sound, all of it combined is everything that you want from a good, like, jump scare horror movie. It is, yep. it is, it's not even, it's not psychological. It's not, I mean, it is psychological, but it's not psychological. It's not good drama. It's not good acting or writing or character. It's just pure, proper, scary. Yep. Yeah. And um yeah, that was a really good moment and I 
I consider that one very. I that was that was what I wrote for my best effects, and then changed my mind. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Move, move to something else. Yeah. Um. So I went with the scene with Andy and Rose in bed with the hands coming out of the bed and leaning. Oh yeah. Like that just felt like that scene murder horror like that that those no even just the 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 mm-hmm. eight camera the eight frames of film with the hands around the neck out of the bed that was excellent yeah it felt like really true classic horror yeah and uh, it was so well done effects wise story wise mm-hmm. like and it just it really I mean, it was storming outside. Like, it was just everything you think when you think horror. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Head. So, yeah. Uh, it was oh, so good. So good. Um, yeah. So, who did you ultimately want to punch in the face? Um, I picked every single priest in the entire Catholic Church who let this shit happen. That is, that is yeah, yeah, that's correct. I literally just wrote all the priests, every single one of them. Yeah, no, a number of them. I mean, granted, a lot of them were already part of this fucking fucked up cult, but the number of them that weren't, that were just refusing to accept that that there is any fallibility within the Catholic Church, is the actual reason why I want to punch most priests in the face. Yes. So. <laughs> Yes, very valid, very valid. Um, I went in the same direction, but I did get more specific. Um, I went with Father Simon. I just I was um I was wondering if we were gonna make it through this whole thing without ever actually mentioning him because we haven't really talked about him or Dolores at not Dolores, um what's her name? Not Dolores Herbie. <laughs> no, yes, but that's why I keep wanting to call her Dolores. Um Um Mark Maria 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 Walters yeah I was like are we ever going to actually address Father Simon and Maria Walters in this episode or in this DNA awards probably not but it's fine um but yeah no Father Simon fucking sucks I just want to punch him all the time all the time especially when he was in his fucking bathtub acting like a oh my gosh the worst oh um yeah so I agree with you more specifically yes Good. So, who is your ultimate MVP? Marcus. Marcus. Yeah. What is, I mean, look, what, what can you do? Yeah. Marcus is the best. The yes. award winner of all. Mm-hmm. And everyone would have died without him. 100% Correct. of the world would have crashed already. Yeah. So. Thousand, thousand and ten percent. <sighs> Best. I'm gonna miss him. Oh, bit Daniels, bit Daniels. Um. All right. So, for the f- final award, what or who is your double helix? So I, I told you guys I was gonna come back to this. Um. For my double helix, I chose Marcus's faith because I not just Marcus as a character, but like the portrayal of the humanity of faith and the like knowing that you were never going to be good enough, like as good as God, and that it doesn't matter if you believe and just the way he talks about what faith is and the way 
he like chooses to take a step back to work on himself when he knows that his faith isn't strong enough because he would rather like save people by giving them what they need rather than by giving himself glory that he doesn't deserve. And the way that every single decision he makes is not about himself, even when it feels like it might be, even when he feels like he's being selfish and he gets emotional and he gets human at the end of the day, he's making the decisions because of what his faith has taught him and what he trusts God to do. And just the way he talks about it, it's as someone who like, because I have a very strong faith, but I work in and I work with in within the Catholic Church and working with people whose faith is more display than anything else. That that roughness of like your faith being so much more than the rites and the rituals and the paper and the words and the knowing that the words aren't enough if you don't have everything else. Um it's just that is, oh, that is probably the best oh my god like I could cry I could cry because like I I like the the priest at my school like he reminds me of like Bennett Father Bennett but a lot of it has to do with these same things where like I don't believe that he is a priest because it's a job I believe that he's a priest because he talks to God every day like I genuinely have never met someone that I immediately was like I believe that you are one million percent living your truth to the most extent like I don't doubt for a second that when he goes home he is still that same person like there's nothing different about him with the way he is in our church versus the way he is when he's with his friends and like and that is the kind of faith that like more people should have and so like in a show that is the horror genre is tends to be very antithetical to the Christian church because of what horror is. And specifically exorcism shows tend to often show flaws in the Catholic church. And this show does very, very much, but it does it without discrediting God or faith. And I find that so beautiful because it, it's so much more than I would ever expect from this genre of horror and from this kind of like network television for it to be like an exorcism genre of horror and public television and still make it very clear that God is real. It's like stunning to me. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. That was really well done. And it was, it was something I was worried about going into the show was like, how the exorcism was gonna you know address this because it's been done the same way it's been beat to death and it's like you're not gonna make it more interesting you're not gonna make it more fun and it didn't try to make it more interesting or more fun it tried to make it more real which Mm -hmm. was like really what cherry on top for sure um yeah that is such an excellent excellent double helix um, and I, I think that was the only answer that I made that I was a hundred percent sure about. I was like, I regret nothing. <laughs> yeah, no, yours is a hundred percent right, and I probably would would tend to agree. But I did go in a bit of a different direction. I went with Jeremy Slater's take on this show because there are very few horror shows turned from film or TV that turn into the TV show that are true to the original, but also create something entirely different. 
Yeah, like, like he he didn't he didn't like uncanonize or break down anything that happened in the first movie, and yet he made an entire world irrespective of that. Like yeah. he closed the loop and met the standards of what you'd expect higher than what I expected for mm-hmm. based on the original film but then also was able to continue the story that didn't feel out of place. The transition was so smooth. And you look at like, like Bates motel, like great storylines, great writing. It's about Norman Bates the entire time. Like you don't leave that world. You still have that world in the story. Right. Well, And, and with Bates, it's great, but it's very deliberately a different take. It's a different time period. Right. And it, goes it literally takes the movie and says that's not how it happened yeah and changes it so it's it's its own thing whereas this takes the movie says everything that happened in the movie happened exactly the way it happened in the movie but then the story didn't end there exactly and and it manages to build something beautiful without having to break the movie to do it yeah it feels like it it feels like if you would have asked uh uh William Peter Blatty, the writer of the book, what happened next, he mm-hmm. could have written this and said, This is what happened next. And like actually I don't know that he could have, but I think Jeremy Slater did an excellent job. <laughs> yeah. But I think he would agree that like, yeah, this happened next. This is what Reagan turned into. Because I mean, we know that Chris is, you know, this movie star and like there are all these things that are talking about them being in the spotlight and it makes sense that Chris would go back to the spotlight with everything because yeah. she still has to make money. She still has to support them. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense that Regan would run away. Yeah. Like, and just, well, and, it, and it also, I think it's also very fair. And I have not read the book because I am horrified to try to read the book because I I've heard it is so much worse. I no one that I know has read the book who has read the book has been able to stomach reading it and one sitting like at one time. It it's so much worse. But I think that one thing that William Peter Blatty would would for sure buy into is that the corruption in the church is what nestled the egg that was dem- the demon demonic presence on earth because I think that even more so than human fallibility, it's the the way that people hold themselves above you and the hypocrisy of it is more easily corrupted than anything else. Right. And you, I mean, you see him, like you see Jeremy modeling it after the original. It has the... Uh, the um, priests that aren't followed that like are like this can't be true this can't be real we don't do exorcisms anymore like they mm-hmm. follow all of the same rules that yeah. we could have set up set up for us like they yeah shy away from that and the only thing is that instead of father marin marin given his life to save everyone from this demon we have a successful exorcism mm-hmm. where everyone is saved from the demon yeah uh, and I just, I think it was so well executed. I think it's so 
different from how many other people do portrayals and of I think, horror films on TV. And I think it matters so much. And I think this kind of actually blends both of our answers for the double helix. Because I think it matters so much that the reason things are successful in the story and the reason the demons are cast out is because while the church itself and the power structures of the church are corrupted and are easily manipulated. There are people like Tomas and Marcus who know that the church is not the answer. God is. People are and God is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Um, yeah, I agree. Can always tie our answers together. <laughs> but yeah, so I know we've come to the end of our show. Um, but it was, okay. I was really, honestly, this was the one I was most like, I don't know if I want to do this. Like, it makes sense, but I don't know if I'm going to like it because I don't like exorcism shows that much. Yeah. And it's been one of the most well done shows we've watched. I mean, I will say that the fact that I have so much stressful shit happening in the next two weeks and you expect me to watch the fucking movie that I have to watch for next week. Um, I don't know if I'm emotionally prepared for that. Um, that I'm a little nervous about, but the show, I do not regret. Yeah, I am also a little nervous about our movie because we are watching The Exorcist Believer. We will be watching the new one. Um, so stay tuned. Now, where am I watching this? Because last I, I'm trying to figure out because I thought I saw something about getting it getting added to a streaming service, but for paid. So mm -hmm. let me. Exorcist Believer. It is. It's on Peacock. Oh, it's on Peacock. Okay. That's what it says to me. Yes, that's what Just Watch is telling me. Okay. I suppose that means I can also pull out my Peacock and double check just to be it's on there. I've just double checked it. Okay, perfect. Okay. So, yes, um, if you have Peacock Premium, which if you watched Bates Motel with us, you had to have had Peacock Premium because halfway, subscription. <laughs> because halfway through Bates, it fucked us. Um, Not even. It was like season two or something. It was like, it was, no, it was, I think, it, yeah, I think it was like the beginning of season two when yeah. I was just like, um, <laughs> excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. Good times. So, yeah. so, okay, come January, we'll be watching a show in the new year, so hopefully all the licensing will have been fixed before then for anything we choose to move forward with. That's after true. Um, after, but American Horror Story, at least, is on Hulu forever and ever and ever, so we don't have to worry about that. Lives. Yeah. <laughs> Next thing you know, they announced they're taking it down because oh my God, it's so bad. They're just but it's okay. they'll, they'll put it back, just like they did Stargate. They took it off Amazon for, like, what, like a month and then put it back. Yeah. Um, um, I have heard that, like, I keep hearing rumblings that Stargate is moving again, but most of the people that are complaining are not in America. So I oh, think that there's yeah. issues with the UK licensing, but I think that we're fine. Yeah, I think um, there's been a lot of issues with the UK licensing for a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, so, because the uh, for those of you who don't know, in the entertainment world, the US counts for 50% of everything. Um, yeah. So they're more focused on getting fifty percent of the royalties they get, as opposed to the five or ten percent you're getting from another country. Um, yeah. So that's that. Um, yeah. So yeah, we're gonna tune in. We're gonna watch Exorcist Believer. I've heard 
Although this Hopefully is something that only four seasons are on Amazon Prime. Of Stargate? Yeah, according to Just Watch, only four seasons of it are on Amazon. Oh my goodness. Which, well, it's on Pluto still, so. Yeah, but that says only three seasons of it are on Pluto. Well, okay, so we're going to figure out where Stargate is. and we'll season, five, season five is on both Amazon and Pluto. Oh, perfect. perfect. Double check. I was like, let me at least check season five so I know what we're dealing with for the next yes. four months. Oh, because that's um, the exact next episode after this. Yeah, yeah. Good. Yeah, good the, next, the next episode after this, the episode that you guys will be watching on, on New Year's Eve before we have to readdress all the licensing issues because then it's a new year and who knows what's happened, is season five, episode one of Stargate, which is currently at least up until when you watch this episode available. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> Um, yeah, so do that. Watch season five, episode one. Watch The Exorcist Believer. I have heard mixed reviews. Um, I've heard very mixed reviews. But it's fine. It's going to be great. We're going to have a wonderful time. It'll be the new year, new us. And in the meantime, if you want to reach out, you can email us, deathandaliens at gmail.com. You can find us on all of the social media at deathandaliens. You can find me at cecloud. 13 and you can follow me everywhere at e-m-k-a-y underscore superstar and we'll see you on sci-fi someday bye